Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. I am so honored and privileged to be here, to be uh, on this platform, to, to get to meet the staff of this house. I can't believe it. I've been all over the world, um, but something so special is happening in this place. And I'm not saying that to build your ego, but one, that you would be grateful. I know when you're someplace, you might not realize how green the grass is. And it is amazing in this place. Uh, and two, you're going somewhere. This is not the end of the journey. This isn't the top of the mountain. I think you're just getting started and what God is gonna do in this place, I believe the world is gonna watch and see. So keep going, all right? Um, I'm Josh McGrady. I am from uh, Pennsylvania in the US in uh, Harrisburg. Uh, this is my beautiful wife, Sarah, and our daughter, Leona. And um, I have good news for you. It's another setup tonight. I'm not kidding. You'll see. And for those of you who don't know what that means, I'll just really quick tell a story. I had a dream. In the dream, a man came to me. He said, there's gold in this land, and it's buried for you to find. I shot up out of bed, vibrating in the Holy Spirit saying, oh my gosh, something's, something good is gonna happen. You know, that, that's a constant reality in God. But I shot up out of bed, something good is gonna happen. It was like four o'clock in the morning. I'm a pastor, so on a, it was a Sunday. Sundays I go to church. I got up, it was 4.30 in the morning. Nobody's on the road. And I, I go to get on the highway and there's one big truck. And it says real big on the side of the truck in the back of the truck. It says, join the gold rush. And I was like, oh God, what's going to happen? I'm so excited. I have such an expectation. And then about, I don't know, six hours later, Dylan Krause called me and he said, hey, will you do this um, retreat in Brisbane? It's called finding the gold. And I was like, heck yes, I will. I would love to. You know, in, God did not just purchase a ticket to heaven. He purchased every day of your life and he made acts of righteousness ahead of time so you could walk through them. Life in the Holy Spirit is literally heaven on earth. And so um, it was all weekend. Part of it is because we're here in Brisbane and uh, it is a paradise. But tonight is another setup. So... Um, I want to tell you about a creative miracle that happened today. Um, I drove here. Uh, I was so nervous every time I'm in the car with Dylan. I don't know if you guys know this, but this whole time you've been driving on the wrong side of the road. Um, but uh, with my wife with me, we, we drove here and um, for us, the turn signal's on the other side. So every time I wanted to turn, I turned on the windshield wipers. <laughs> we missed the exit. We almost went through a tunnel, but we got here this morning. 
and praise Jesus, God's alive, you know? So, all right, I wanna get in my message. You know, I feel like I only have a single message and that's the gospel. I have one thing to tell people and it's what Jesus did and who he is. And, um, uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start at the beginning and I wanna, there's this hermeneutics principle, it's called the law of first mention. And what it means is the first time that something is mentioned in the Bible, that everything else is measured by what is meant in that first, first time. And I want to go back to the very beginning, and I want to talk about Adam. Okay? God formed him from the earth, and he laid there. Didn't move, didn't do anything. And then it says he breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. First of all, to do that, I don't think he was 10 feet away and going. I think he got up close and went. Adam came into existence. His eyes opened. He had no concept of right or wrong. Didn't know what fear or shame felt like. And perfect love, about two inches from his face, has the biggest smile that ever existed and said, very good. Can you imagine what happened to Adam when he saw that? This blank slate of a human, all of a sudden seeing the most powerful being that ever would be and ever could be, looking at him, saying, I approve, I like, I'm delighted in what I see. You know, I think that that picture is a prophecy of human nature and human desire and human need. You know, it's, it's an awful story, uh, but there's the fall. And so this Adam who experienced God, not just face to face, but eye to eye, looking in to God himself, because of sin, he doesn't just get locked out of a sweet garden where there's all kind of fruit. He gets banished from the face of God. And I'm, I'm going to try to tonight to make the entire context of history to go back to that moment when man got to look at God and have no fear and no shame. Nothing to, to guard or protect or to manage on his own, but he just stood there saying, you love me just like I am. Freedom is really the absence of self-consciousness. So there's these prophetic characters in the Bible. And uh, I just, I've seen this story go through where it's, it's speaking of something. And then, you know, there's, there's Jacob. And Jacob, he wrestled with, maybe it's Jesus all night, I don't know, maybe an angel. But when he's done, was, the sun's coming up, and he said this. He said, I've seen the face of God and I lived. That was his take from what happened. Now, I don't know if he fully did. It was just coming up. But there was something so precious and valuable about the face of God. You know, then again, you have uh, Moses. And uh, Moses, he couldn't see the face of God. And he said, God said, I'm not going to show you my face. But when he's with him, and I believe it's Exodus 34, he says, I am not going, we translate it presence. 
But the word is actual, it's face. He said, I'm not going unless your face goes with me. And Moses, he also, he set up the, the whole, uh, the law, the priest. And, you know, the, the priest, they had a single blessing. There weren't like 25 blessings. And which one do you guys want to use today? There was a single blessing that they had. It's the ironic blessing. And uh, this is what it says. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord be gracious to you and make his face shine upon you and lift up his countenance upon you. You guys know what countenance means? I didn't know what it meant I mean, until a few years ago. It's actually the expression of God. You know, I've seen Buddha statues. They don't got nothing on their face. It's flat. But there's an expression that he wanted the people to experience in the face of God. I think maybe it was the expression that Adam saw in the beginning. I love you. You don't need to be afraid and you don't need to be ashamed. So going forward, there's this crazy guy named David. He's just nuts. You know, he's this warrior poet and David he was completely rejected by his family. You know, he'd be the last person you think is going to have great confidence and become a king, become a warrior. Have you ever, ever experienced anybody who got rejected by the people closest to them? They don't know they have any value and they're constantly fishing for it in front of you saying, tell me I'm good. Well, listen, poor David, they didn't even think he was considered a brother. You know, I know some scholars believe that he may have been born out of wedlock. He could have been a redheaded stepchild or something. But look, something happened to David to flip the script in his life and give him a new identity. David, he didn't just love God. He got all emotional if the face of God ever left him. He'd have these meltdowns and start weeping. Oh, where are you, God? I need you. What are you doing? Come, I need your face. You know, an orphan doesn't know it needs affection. I've seen street kids. They don't know they need anything. They just keep trucking. But David had this tenderness that was developed in him. And if he ever thought the face of God was taken from him in any way, he'd get desperate. He said in um, Psalm 42, he said, this is what he said. He said, as a deer pants for water, so, so my soul pants after you. And he says, how long do I have to wait? When can I come? We, we translate it presence. This is what it is. When can I come before your face? When can I have the Adam experience of two inches in front of me? You know, it, it, uh, it says in Psalm, 
17, David's writing to God and he says this. He says, keep me as the apple of your eye. You know what that means? The apple of the eye is the pupil. And if you look, if you get close to somebody and you look at their pupil, you can see exactly what they're staring at. David had so little fear and shame. He's like, don't you dare take those eyes off me. Don't you ever look away from me. I need to know that you see me and you like me. I need to know that you feel good and you like looking at me. See, a lot of times I think that we want to come into God's presence and that's good. But I think God has even a higher plan. I think he wants us to come into his face. I was a, uh, a psychology major when I was in university. And so I studied um, all sorts of stuff. I learned interesting facts, but I learned this thing about babies. A baby, an infant, will only look for one thing. This is a prophecy, listen. They will look for a face that's happy to see them. They're, 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 it's hardwired within them. Is anybody happy to see me? Does anybody like what they see? And when they see it, they'll key in on it and they'll look at it. And their brains will flood with this sensation scientists call joy. And this is and it's so overwhelming, overwhelming and euphoric that when it happens, they kick their legs and they go, oh my gosh, it's too much. And then they get their strength back together and they say, where was that face? Where was that face of love that likes what it sees, that likes who I am? I want to go back to it. Oh, come on. Yes, I think that's a good response. What does it feel like to be loved that way? To not live with, you know, sometimes Holy Spirit is called it. What if he's a he? What if it's a person who loves you and not a force? What if he has eyes too? The biblical history, the natural prophetic imagery, I believe that it points to something, that every infant is like a little Adam looking for those eyes of God. Tell me you love me. Tell me I'm worth it. Tell me that you can take away all fear, all shame, and make me feel clean in your presence with complete confidence. You know, what we would call, what Adam experienced, I think it's in Hebrews, come with boldness to the throne of grace. I think that's what it looks like. That's what it feels like in a practical way. So all of these parables and pictures and characters, you know, I think every prophecy has one purpose, to reveal Jesus Christ. Every one of those prophetic characters, Jacob saying, I saw the face of God and lived. David saying, when am I gonna come before your face? I believe David was a, 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 like a prototype New Testament Christian. 
that he accessed things that are way above his time. If other people did what he did, they, they died or got leprosy or something like that. But this guy, for some reason, because of his passion for God, was able to access realms. And so I want to say this. Every, every book in this Bible is about one thing, about one man. It's about Jesus. In a thousand different ways, it's about him. And look where this connects. Oh man, I should have my Bible open. And I'm gonna show you why it's a setup. You see this? Listen, guys, every day of your life is a setup. And the enemy wants to put you in unbelief. And so what you're waiting for is heaven rather than waiting for God with you to show up. That guy didn't know anything. Whoever that was, that's awesome. Come on. Oh, God, God is amazing. So here's the thing. Um, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, if I can get there, it says this. Listen, Adam, face to face with God, it says this. We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. All right, now here's the other end of it. This is chapter four. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. What Jesus did restored humanity back to the face of God. It says the gospel is the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And that, I just, it has to be the face of, of Jesus. You know, I think when we make God a general force or like the uh, air traffic control that we never get to see or the Wizard of Oz, we miss who he is. You know, I think that, amen, sweetie. <laughs> I, you know, Jesus is the light of the world, right? You've heard that. It says on the Mount of Transfiguration, this is what it says, that his face shined like the sun in full strength. In the book of Revelation, John has this encounter, and it says that again that his face shined like the sun. And look, this is where I'm going with this. Maybe that it's not a general blessing. Hey, have you heard the name of Jesus? Sure, no. Maybe what every person needs is a direct face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus. Maybe the glory of God is only discerned through intimacy with him. Maybe you can't understand the glory by seeing a sign or a wonder or a miracle, but it's only through direct connect. Will you go back to where Adam went and you receive what Adam received? I'm telling you the full smile of God is in Jesus. It is not a little bit to get you through to the end. It, he completely destroyed every, uh, every charge against you. You are fully free, you are fully clean. See, a lot of times I think that what we try to do 
is what God wants to do through encounter, we try to do through self-effort. It says, as we behold, we go from glory to glory. See, this changes everything. When you're living out of self-effort, I'm telling you, you're living by fig leaves. You cannot change yourself. In a thousand years, you couldn't change yourself. You know, you're all sinners, or you're not now, but you know you couldn't help it? That there's no cure for the disease of sin, except for Jesus. You know, I, I'm trying to shut down every other possibility that you could think of in your heart and mind besides intimacy and perfect love. What if you didn't think there were other options? I mean, to live out of works and self-effort, obviously, at in some point you must say, you know what, I think, I think I can do this. What if it's like it is here? That an encounter with his face is the only thing that's going to change you. I know there's the renewing of the mind, and I'm not saying be foolish and do things you don't know are okay. But what if it's only drawing up close to him and looking at him without looking away and receiving how he feels about you? He doesn't tolerate you. You know, I think the power of the gospel, oh, I want to say this first. The reason he's the lifter of your head is so you can look back at him. It's not so you can keep working. It's so you can look back at him. You know, I know that in uh, psychology, there's motor neurons. And, um, or sorry, oh, I forget the term. Reflective neurons, mirror neurons, sorry. It's been a few years. And what they do is when someone makes a face at you, your, your face automatically matches the face and smiles back. This is what you see. If somebody, if they're angry, you go, ooh, you get the angry face back. If somebody smiles, you instantly smile. I think that Brisbane, the city of Brisbane, how many people live here? Two million. Yeah, maybe there's two million people who need a direct face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Maybe they'll never know who he is. They'll hear rumors of him, but only through a face-to-face -face encounter can their hearts actually be secure. And maybe the same is true for you. And maybe transformation is just seeing him like he really is and how he really feels. You know, um, I have a statement, I say it all the time when I preach, and I think it defines what I'm talking about today, that if it's not personal, it's not powerful. This is why face-to-face, -face, it has to be powerful, it has to be personal to be powerful. You can be in someone's presence and it not be personal. But when you get face to face, something becomes personal and that becomes your Jesus. That becomes the lover of your soul. That becomes the one who makes you whole. You know, um, I just feel 
that uh, the gospel is not just the gospel of acceptance. That it's a gospel of delight. Absolute delight. Like the enemy's plan is to, okay, I'll let you in the kingdom and I'll let you in acceptance. And if you work hard enough, I'll put you up here in delight. God's plan is here, come into light. It doesn't matter what you do every day of your life. I'm going to feel the same way about you. I love what I see. I'm not ashamed of you. You know, acceptance is like the outer courts. But he ripped open the veil of the Holy of Holies. That's where delight is. You know, identity can't be formed in anything other than delight. And if it is, you'll have a works mentality. You know, Paul, he said this, he says, I pray that you be strengthened with power in your inner man so that you might comprehend the love of God, the height, the depth. What if it's way more than what we realized? But what if we could get it? What if we could understand? What if we had so much delight that our mirror neurons are like, hey, why are you so happy? Oh, let me tell you why. God's not looking for hard work, although it's going to happen. He's looking for deep intimacy. You know, uh, I don't know if I said this. I can't remember. <laughs> um, in John 17, he says, Father, I pray that the glory that I had before the beginning of time. I pray that they would have it and that they would be perfectly one like we are. Do you guys hear the invitation of heaven and what he wants to be and what he wants to do for you? And it's not just who you are. Really, the only thing that matters is who you are to him. The root of every identity is not, not what gifts you have. It's who you are to him. You know, it's interesting. Jesus meets the woman at the well. And you know what he says? He says, tell me about your husbands. And he says, you want to not thirst anymore? What if it's not optional? It's reality that we're hardwired. For God himself, not to be minions in his factory, but to be co-heirs with him, to be a bride to him. I think God wants to explode the love of God in this house. I think there's a gold rush he wants to release where it, it, I just, where this body begins to explode in the love of God and understands how real it is and that, the, that people actually need it and want it even if they don't know they do. They're thirsty. It's not even their fault. You know, don't make Christianity just morality. It's deliverance. It's deliverance. So, 
Your function is this, is to be loved. You know, you guys, you've heard of the first commandment, the second commandment, but do you know on your best day, the only thing you can be is a responder. This is not the Old Testament. The only thing you can be is a responder to love. There's the first commandment, the second commandment, but they don't tell you about the zero commandment. God loves you, period. He delights in you, that he wants to pull your face close and look at you and pinch your cheeks. He wants to take away every ounce of doubt and feel to you. You have so much self-confidence, not because of your gifts or your appearance, but because of his love. Come on. Where are my people? Do I have any amens or glories over here? Amen, thank you. you got to understand this. You are not very useful to God. You're not. You can't do anything. You can't please Him. I'm sorry. You can roll your sleeves up and try the rest of your life, but you can't. On your best day, do they call them extension cords? Your extension leaders. Leads, you're an extension lead. Isn't this relieving? Whoo, <laughs> I don't have to do anything. You know what he said? He said, abide in me and you're going to bear fruit. Don't, don't just abide in his acceptance. You want to bear big, juicy fruit? Abide in his delight. Abide in his face two inches from yours. And let supernatural fruit, I'm telling you, it comes from love. It comes from encounter. It's from one degree of glory to another. You know, delight is, uh, it's not the side dish of the gospel. It, delight is the appetizer, the starter salad, the side dish, the main course, the dessert, and the after coffee. God loves you. He's delighted in who you are. Who would pay a price like he did? Who would be bloodied like that? Who would die for somebody with great joy set before them saying, they're worth it, I'm doing it. Delight is the entirety of the gospel. You don't need to be bashful before him. You can be proud of what he loves. I'm telling you, love transforms you. It doesn't just leave you where you are. And it might be scary to take off the fig leaves of self-effort. But I'm telling you, there's an encounter in this place. See, it's not just that God's going to come here. You guys are going to be stewards of a greater glory and have a greater encounter. And you yourself will manifest him. Thank you. <laughs> I'm 43 seconds over. So this is worship team. Nick, you guys are awesome. Come on up. Does anybody feel a little happier, a little freer? Maybe that, that yoke is easy, that burden is light. Maybe, maybe it's, it's, it's a gift to be alive and maybe what you need is Jesus, not to try harder. Maybe freedom is a real thing. Maybe you're aiming at the right thing now. Your, your hope is that you could see him and encounter him. 
I'm not saying it has to be dramatic. You know, it's interesting. It's the Holy Spirit is like the window of heaven. It's like binoculars to see Jesus. He's a spirit of wisdom revelation that in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit doesn't come to talk about himself. He comes to bear witness of another and, and convict about another of righteousness. What of the blood of Jesus makes you as righteous as Jesus himself? What if it makes you as holy as, as God himself? Not later, today, now and here in this place. And you have every right to come before there and lay on your bed and say, look at me. What if one lift of your eyes overwhelms him, like it says in Song of Solomon? What if there's a greater closeness to God and he needs you to agree with it? You know, Jesus, he paid for every sin in the world. He's inviting everybody, but only those who agree with what he thinks get to experience it. I feel like what's being offered tonight is an invitation for encounter. And I feel like God wants to open up a place of ease. You know, the, you know how the enemy defeats you? Lies. If there's ever truth, he doesn't have a chance. Nobody, if they could see who Jesus really is, would ever reject him. They're only deceived. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. But I just feel tonight, if you felt, let me do this first. Let's have the, uh, the ministry team come up. Nick, however the Spirit leads you. <laughs> yeah. He loves, you love to encounter him. Do you know he loves to encounter you? He loves it when you present yourself before him. He loves, he lived for you, he died for you. He sold everything that he had. He became poor only so he could look into your face. Only so your eyes would look back at him. Only so you would be his friend. Only so you would draw near. Don't stay at a distance. He paid too high a price for you to stay at a distance. And I'm not talking right here tonight. I'm talking the rest of this week. There is not a moment. I don't care what you do, what you've done. Well, you can't look up. Let him meet you. So this is what I feel. If you just feel like when I was talking, God was talking to you about different perspective. I just believe the ministry team here is just gonna be a point of faith and contact to bring a shift in your life and open up a brand new lifestyle of encounter. Oh, it's the truth. The gospel is wonderful. This is a setup. Tomorrow is gonna be a setup in the face of God who never looks away, who never takes you out of his sight. I'm telling you, there's, there's a deeper encounter coming to this house and a deeper awareness, a deep inward confidence and knowledge. No, God loves you. I don't care what you've done. I mean, someone walks in the love of God, it's manifest. 
It's wonderful. It's healing. So if you feel, if you heard God, come up here. These guys are going to agree and pray with you. Okay? I love you guys. It's such an honor to minister to you. Um, thank you. Okay? Go ahead. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.